and welcome to the Court of Alex podcast. Uh, I'm Muse, and I'm here with Joe. Hello. And V. Hi. We are a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes down below for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. So we got an action-packed night time filled with nothing but Batman titles. I know. <laughs> but we're coming right off the heels of Joker War. So we got a lot to uh, wrap up. So we'll let Joe cover Nightwing first. Okay. So this one was Nightwing 75. This was the issue everybody has been waiting for because it has been told for months before Joker War was even close to finishing that Nightwing would be returning. Written by Dan Jurgens, and the art was by both Travis Moore and Ronan Cliquette. So, as long-awaited as this issue was, I gotta say, like, it was, eh. The premise and the plot of it was good, in my opinion. I feel like it could have been better if it was told in a different way. Everything was definitely there to make it good. I feel like they could have just done things a little bit differently. So, basically, this is actually taking place before Batman 100. Right after Dick gets his memories back about being Nightwing. And this is actually telling the story of like that first week of him with his memories. And figuring out about putting the costume on. Which, in theory, I feel like that's really, really good. Because we see it all the time in in comics where, you know, somebody has amnesia. It gets brought back to them and instantly it's as if nothing ever happened. They're just going right back into it. Where this story will actually show you Dick doesn't feel like he's mentally ready to be Nightwing again. The story layout is basically taking you through all the days of the week in Nightwing's life. And so it starts off with both Donna Troy and Garth making a reappearance (laughs) to actually pay Nightwing a visit at the hotel that Bruce Wayne owns. Because... (laughs) Dick wasn't ready to stay at Wayne Manor just because it feels super awkward because he just got his memories back so it feels a little bit overwhelming and at the same time you just have that empty space that was Alfred that just made that manor feel like a home and so Bruce understood and gave him free rent at the hotel in Gotham so Donna and Garth actually haven't been seen since the Titans comic which I believe hasn't actually been printed in about a little over a year and a half, maybe two years now. Yeah, I think it's been about two years since that one. I want to say it continued a couple issues after Dick actually got shot. So Donna and Garth pay him a visit. You know, they're happy to see that he has his memories back. Immediately, they're like, okay, so you're going to suit up? You want to go fight crime? He's like, I really don't feel up to that right now. I'm not ready to just jump into my Nightwing outfit. Everyone just keeps telling him, he's like, oh, but, you know, you're yourself, so you're Nightwing, so it doesn't really make a difference. Come on, like, put the the thing on, we'll get some pizza, we'll go hang out at Titan's Tower, we can actually show (laughs) those kids, like, a thing or two about teamwork. He's just like, you guys go on ahead, unless you guys want to grab a beer, we can do that. I just don't want to be Nightwing right now. And Donna shows him a selfie of the original Teen Titans gang. It's a blend of both the 60s and 80s team. The only person that's missing is Cyborg. Mm. So I thought that was actually pretty cute. And of course, like, 
because they can't just show like a Polaroid from the 1960s because now it's Rebirth and they have to make it somewhat modern. Yeah. I mean, people take Polaroids now. They do. But I mean, like, with like Dick in his like original Robin costume with the no pants. (laughs) Ah, you cowards. (laughs) Embrace the no pants. (laughs) And Beast Boy was in his old like Doom Patrol outfit. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was pretty cool. You got to see Roy and Wally and And that art was really pleasing. Yeah. No, the the art in Nightwing is great. It is really, really beautiful, I wanna say. That's Who do we really call out solid. for that? Travis Moore and Ronan Cliquette? Mm-hmm. And also Nick Filardi. I think we've called him out before for just amazing colors. Yes. He went harder on that art than he needed to by a long <laughs> shot. It was absolutely beautiful. But yeah, so that was Dick's Monday, and then we got cut to Tuesday, completely on the opposite end of the world, in Moscow, it cuts to KG Beast in a bar, drinking his sorrows away, and people are coming up to him and making fun of him, saying that he needs to retire, he's not the assassin everybody claims him to be because he can't even shoot a little bird, and also, he's missing an arm, and apparently... He lost the arm in a Teen Titans issue. Oh. So something tells me this has Damien written all <laughs> over it. <laughs> has he... I thought he's always never had an arm and it's always been a gun. I thought so too, but I could just be a Bernstein Bears thing. It could be a little bit of both. Maybe they gave him both arms again during Rebirth, but... The editor's note said, find out how KGP's lost his arm in Teen Titans 43. Oh. So maybe they gave it back to him in Rebirth and then Damien cut it off. Kind of like how Barbara got shot again in Rebirth, but this time she healed and was able to keep on walking. Yeah. So maybe that's the case. But yeah, that was it. All you see is KG Beast getting picked on at the bar and then he beats a bunch of people up and tells them that nobody messes with him. And then it cuts to Wednesday. Nightwing and Batgirl patrolling Gotham City mid-Joker uh, War, trying to take care of a bunch of Joker's clowns. Nightwing isn't wearing his regular Nightwing suit. He's still wearing the one that he wore when he was Rick Grayson uh, patrolling Bloodhaven with the actual Nightwing team, which, for those of you who haven't been reading Nightwing, in Bloodhaven ever since um, Rick Grayson was a thing, there's been a group of detectives and a fireman that have been dressing up in different variations of Nightwing's outfits, patrolling Bloodhaven to fight crime. So Nightwing and Batgirl are patrolling around. Batgirl is basically saying the same thing that Donna and Garth told him, that you have your memories back. You're Nightwing. Why don't you just wear the costume? Because you say that you're whole, but you won't wear the suit, and that's what makes you whole. To be honest, I feel that them constantly trying to push poor Dick into being Nightwing feels too pushy like gives the guy some space like he's been through a <laughs> lot of stuff nope. you're his friends you, you haven't been there experiencing this life like this is a lot of memories to come mm-hmm. back for him and it comes back in the middle of him also being once again brandwashed by the joker yeah. like that's that's a lot to process this isn't something that you can just be like yep i'm back to being dick grayson give me the nightwing suit herp de derp and i do like how like you said, that they are showing 
Dick slowly maybe trying to get back to mm-hmm. that level of normalcy, but his friends and family are not letting him. That's like, exactly just, what I mean. Uh, I mean. They did the same thing when he first got his amnesia. They were just telling him who he was, just come with us, everything will make sense, you'll get your memories back, no problem. And, you know, he was like, I don't know you people, stay away from me. I wish we would have maybe gotten, like, a perspective with Dick and Jason, with Jason actually fighting crime with him, and Dick asking, you're not going to ask about the costume, and Jason's be like, I don't care. As long as you're still here fighting with us, it's all that matters. Having another perspective on the, like, you're still you, no matter what costume you wear... And I'm happy to have, like, my brother back in some regard, even if it was Tim. I don't care. We needed somebody to be like, no, you're good. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want the costume, it's there for you. We're not going to push it. But that's one of the <laughs> things about comic writers, too, that I have a quarrel with. A lot of them, this is such thin ice to say, but, like, I feel like a lot of them need to have more real-world experiences. Because yeah. a lot of the ways they write relationships are, like... Do you have friends? Do you I mean, I have like family? That's something people so have been weird. saying for generations, too. So I don't feel you're alone in that opinion. I mean, and a lot of these writers do say, they're like, you know, I need to get out more because most of the time I am in this small room just in front of my computer typing away about how these experiences are supposed to go. I specifically remember a writer on Twitter saying this. I cannot remember for the life of me who it was. It's a little hard to believe a lot of this because you have an entire cast of people who have gone through varying sorts of trauma and they're okay. So you have to assume that some of them at least have seen some therapists have Mm -hmm. have dealt with it in some way that is healthy. And if that is the case, then you kind of expect that they would be able to extend some of that courtesy on to people who are suffering instead of being like, suck it up put on the skin tight liquid spandex type outfit you know which is like already too much like if i just had amnesia i don't even need amnesia actually if i just am rekindling any sort of relationship with my family the last thing i want to hear is hey could you put on that second skin (laughs) bodysuit it's like i'm already dealing with a lot i can't deal with the body issues that come with just wearing that well if you want to tie that actually to DC, right when Rebirth started, everybody was coming to the acknowledgement that there is a five-year gap in everybody's memories, which was the New 52. And everybody was coming to the realization that Wally is now on this earth with them, and now they're all getting these memories flooded back to them of their experiences with Wally West. And Wally West is coming to the realization of, like, I'm no longer married to Linda Park. I'm no longer a father. I don't know what to do. And you have Superman that's giving him that same type of advice of like, listen, this isn't easy. I was hiding on this earth with my family because I can't be seen when there's another Clark Kent and another Lois Lane going around. So I understand where you're coming from. If you need space, take your space, try to plan out your life. But at the same time try to think of it as a second chance to do you know do things the way that you want to do nobody's forcing you to do anything in this in this case whereas in this case i feel like everybody throughout his entire amnesia he never caught a break of people like telling him like 
when are you going to come back and be Nightwing? When are you going to come back and join us? Like, even if you want to keep going by Rick, like, you're still one of us. We still want to be there for you. But even outside of the family, show of hands, did anybody, like, get the amnesia thing? Like, did that make sense to you? Do you think that was helpful for his journey as a character? I mean, honestly, nobody thought of it was a good idea. And so when Dan Juergens became the writer, because he wasn't the writer on Nightwing during the whole amnesia thing, he was put onto the Nightwing series, and it was his job to, like, slowly bring (laughs) him back. Poor Jergens. Like <laughs> it, it's it's like Tinian trying to take over Batman after yeah. the King. Like it's like, oh, look at the mess that this previous writer did. Ha <laughs> ha Pretty much Fix it. And so like because he has to write him as Rick Grayson, this guy that doesn't want anything to do with the with the Bat family, like, yeah, he's gonna get some hate in the beginning because he has to write him this way. He can't just like immediately bring him back to Dick Grayson as if nothing happened. Well, yeah. Jurgens is that veteran writer, that good old standard that you bring yeah. it back to when you need someone to save the day. Especially when you need a writer to bring somebody back from the dead, so to speak. He already has that experience in the yeah. 90s. <laughs> Honestly, for him, the things I've read of his are kind of hit and miss for me. He's kind of just like the standard mm-hmm. guy, you know? Like I, I don't think any of his stories have like touched me to the point where I was like, yeah... It changed my life in some way, like some there, of his comic There books. are a lot of his for me, but again, like, that's because he was writing Superman. about, like, my, yeah, my favorite characters. Yeah. So I can, I can understand, like, it's not shared, but I will say that he definitely has a great voice for Superman. He had a pretty good one for Rick Grayson. I'm curious to see, like, how he can actually write, like, a flushed out Nightwing now that he has his memories back. Yeah. I'm not concerned about him writing Nightwing. It was just really how he wrote the supporting cast. Besides, mm-hmm. is it Bo? Yeah, Bo. Except Bo. Bo, even in this one and in previous issues, has pretty much been the only person that has actually cared about Rick and it cared about Dick. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, she was a little hesitant on everything, but that makes sense. Like, all of a sudden, his memories just flood back and he's being welcomed into the Bat family, she's going to feel awkward, and so she leaves. Yeah. But yeah, with Bo, like, she left, and as Dick even said this in Batman, where he does have his memories back, but now his memories of Rick Grayson are blurry. Is that how amnesia works, though? Nope. (laughs) It's such a weird thing, because... So you have his regular, like, Dick Grayson memories, right? And then he gets the amnesia. He is just living life as Rick Grayson, and then the brainwashing from the Court of Owls kick in from the doctor that he was seeing. And now you have that brainwash being transferred over to the brainwashing from the Joker. And now you have him going off around Bloodhaven as Dickie Boy. And then he gets his memories back as Dick Grayson. So now you just have all this whole jumbled mess of however long he was Rick Grayson. I'm trying to remember, how exactly did he get the memories? They shut out the crystal in, I think, Nightwing or something, and it's what brought all the memories back. But then I'm confused because didn't him getting shot in the head by KGBs cause the amnesia mm-hmm. in the first place? Then how does he get his memories back when it had nothing to do with the crystal? <laughs> so technically he would go back to being Rick. I'm sorry, like, that's not how amnesia works. Because when you lose memories, you don't hit them back. <laughs> Ever? Unless, no. Based medically, if you have severe head trauma, like what Dick Grayson did, where he got shot in the head, those memories are gone. You don't get them back. 
unless you have a concussion and you black out for a bit either right after like the first couple minutes usually uh people that get concussions maybe forget a couple minutes before they got uh concussed and the bit afterwards it's more like a blackout period but they don't lose memories but muse of life yeah magic but magic is fiction. <laughs> i mean it, it magic. Is a, it's a magic techno sorcery <laughs> crystal yeah that's and true. it's also dc comics this is not forensic files or blind spot i know and also, I don't know enough to dispute it, so... This, this is true. <laughs> There's just too much brain tampering with this poor guy, like... It got to be a little much. Like, once is bad, much. twice is silly, but then you just keep going, it's like, why do you hate us? Why are you doing this? But, anyway, <laughs> so, he's flying around with Batgirl, saying that he's not in denial, he feels fine, he doesn't need to be Nightwing immediately and he's not even sure if he wants to be Nightwing anymore after all these experiences and him just slowly getting back to how he was he's not even sure if he wants to take the same path because just like I said with Wally being on the rebirth earth he kind of sees it as a second chance at first like to kind of maybe do something mm -hmm. different that was Wednesday it cuts to Thursday KG Beast is now in Gotham he kills an elderly couple driving on the highway and steals their car. This is so sad. They were so old. They've survived <laughs> so long in this horrible world. <laughs> They've probably killed someone. It's fine. And then it cuts to Friday. And now he, uh, Dick is fighting with Batman. He's fighting a bunch of these clowns. Again, this is mid-Joker War. And Batman is being apparently passive-aggressive to dick which i thought was great gosh i'm gonna question something about the placement of this week because it makes sense based off the fact that he's not in a costume and the fact that they say it takes place before issue 100 that it's him starting to join the fight a little bit before donning the costume at issue 100 but they keep mentioning that joker's already like locked up based off of what the goons are saying like, they're still yeah. running around trying to clean up the remnants of Joker. So I'm like, wait, is this happening after Joker War? Like, that was really confusing mm -hmm. for me. Because they did say that. You're right. They were like... I want to say that the beginning of the comic took place before Batman 100. And then as the week progressed... Okay. It went during Batman 100 and but then after. That's a, a really after. short takeover from Joker. That's still not because they got rid of Joker in issue 100. Right. And he would don the costume right before they got rid of Joker. Mm -hmm. But these goons, these Joker right. goons are talking about they're Joker already being detained or gone or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they're cleaning them up. Like, yeah. this is them doing their rounds. So he should technically be in the Nightwing outfit at this point. But he's not because no one apparently communicates. Also, Batman is kind of like chipper, you know? Yeah, he's sort of goofy. He's not like haggard. He's clean shaven. He's well rested. He's out for a night on the town with his boy. And I'm just like, at what point in the Joker War does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> not even afterwards, which we'll get into when we talk about Batman. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, at the same time, you have Detective Comics, which had its one shot with Joker War, but Batman is doing a completely separate thing, riding a horse through the city streets. <laughs> also clean shaven. 
So, yeah, yeah there's definitely miscommunication here. Because there was some weird time frame issues also with Batgirl that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's it's it's going to happen with a lot of these things. And then as I've mentioned too with Action Comics and Justice League where you're the villain ended for months and then Bendis brought it back to like that final <laughs> battle in Metropolis. It's Bendis. It's, it's Bendis though. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's miscommunication galore. I don't know. I'm going to chalk it up to miscommunication, but it wasn't severe i'm just yeah it's one of those things just though, a little it's bit like a little bit awkward you're like uh mm-hmm. as a reader like did i read that incorrectly yeah no i didn't because they brought it back up again with the batman sequence mm-hmm. so okay i guess it was jurgen's way of saying this is the only way i can write this properly in nightwing's run so i'm sorry i'm gonna have to mildly ignore canon just a bit which but it wasn't you know it's severe. not uncommon in comics a bunch of like these oh. crossover types of things it always happens it's not like, uncommon in modern comics it's been happening more and more <laughs> please talk to each other if you're doing an event but speaking of talking to each other so Woo-hoo. dick is talking to batman batman is saying the same thing as everybody else has been saying like you're not yourself until you put this costume on and <laughs> dick feels no I feel fine. I'm okay. Everybody else is telling me I'm not. And as they are talking and having this conversation back and forth, Bruce is actually leading Dick to the fight ring where he had fought Batgirl under Joker's mind control. And hanging in the fight ring is his Nightwing costume. And Dick calls him out on it. He's like, you asshole you literally brought me all the way over here you went into that fight ring and you hung the costume up yeah and bruce doesn't deny it he's like yeah i did you complete dolts here's a red nose since you want to be a clown (laughs) god it felt so childish it was so ridiculous and He's like, you know, my life hasn't been the same, like, getting my memories back. And Bruce says, he's like, nobody's life is the same. Not since Alfred died. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jerkins, what the fuck? <laughs> so then Dick says, he's like, no, I made my peace with Alfred. I'm not like you. I don't just hold on to, like, the deaths of people I care about. And it cuts to Dick actually visiting the grave that Bruce made for Alfred, which, again... It actually means that this is taking place after Batman 100 because Bruce had told Harley in the hospital he buried Alfred in Wayne Manor's like yard again because Joker had dug him up. So now this is the new one that Dick is visiting. Oh my gosh, you're right. Okay. Cuz like I was like, "Oh, this is from back before," but of course it's not because it's after he gets his memories back. Right. And he's making his peace with Alfred and it did hurt a bit because he's talking about how when he was Rick Grayson the last was the last time he saw Alfred and the last things that he told him was to stay away from him and to just get out of his life because he's not the same man that he think he thinks he is <sighs> that hurt you see the tears uh... going down his face and everything and as he's saying his piece you see the ghost of Alfred or dick's memory of what alfred would be saying to him Mm -hmm. telling him like it's not your fault i always wanted you to grow to be your own man you didn't have to follow in bruce's shadow you're different than him you don't let these things become you this moment was so sweet oh yeah if you go back 
Dick has been talking to someone throughout all of this. And you think, like, oh, he's talking to a therapist. No, he's talking to Alfred. Yeah. And it's like, it's just kind of like, but not under the effects of hallucinogenic drugs. <laughs> it's just, it's just a ghost. Like everybody else is like playing a conversation in their head of how they think it would go. I thought yeah. he was actually talking to Bo throughout Same. the comic because it's in the inner monologue like text boxes i was shocked to see that like he was talking well quote unquote talking, talking to alfred is it Bo? he everyone keeps saying b b e a oh. everyone's saying b e a or maybe bay all right not bay b but you know everybody likes calling each other b we know this yeah so <laughs> anyway that all was right. dick's friday at the end of it He's talking to Bruce, saying that Alfred said I was never going to be like you, and he decides to put the costume on again. It is B. It's because it's Beatrice. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, we, we were. Pro- you're probably like channeling Bo from Critical Role. Yeah, probably. I've been binging Whoops. that for the past month and a half. Thanks, Muse. You're so, welcome. <laughs> anyway, at the end of that, he decides he's going to take the costume down from where Bruce put it purposely and he will actually become Nightwing again. I feel like it was still a little fast paced. I would have liked to see Dick trying to find his own way for like maybe another issue or two, but I understand that it would have taken too long considering that he was Nightwing in Joker War. So I get it. The last day talking to Beatrice, his girlfriend when he was Rick Grayson, you know, she tells him he's like, oh, it's about time like you showed up over here. I understand that you had to go do whatever you had to do. I thought maybe you would have forgotten about me now that you had your memories back and your family back. And Dick explains to her, he's like, yeah, I do have my memories back. It's Dick Grayson, it's not Rick anymore. But I feel like a part of me was always Dick Grayson, even when I was with you. And Mm -hmm. I will be honest, my memories of us are a little fuzzy from me getting my memories back. But... I still want to continue our relationship. I want us to pick up where we left off. Thank you, Jergens. <laughs> you know, I will try to be there as best as I can and to please be patient. And their beautiful <sighs> moment gets interrupted by KG Beast shooting up the place. And then next thing you know, KG Beast has B hostage. Yeah. Having a gun on his arm where his hand should be. And the gun also has, like, a a serrated bayonet on it. (laughs) But I'm very happy that they had this scene, because I mentioned this when we were talking about Nightwing earlier, after he got his memories back, that I didn't want them to just sideline her. I didn't want them... And Jurgens did a very good job of being like, no, Dick wants to actually try to make this work, Mm -hmm. because... He cares about her. He really does care about her, not just because, oh, she was the only person that was there for him, but no, the relationship that they did have when he was Rick actually meant something, and it wasn't like he was being brainwashed to fall in love with her. Right. It's like, okay, good. Yay. Thank you. We, you missed the whole uh, the Nightwings team. Oh, that right. Weird, yes, yes, yes. Awkward so conversation went that to, went over... Um too easily once he was nightwing again he went to bloodhaven and he met up with his old teammates which i thought was very strange how they see this man they have been working alongside rick for months they know his body type they know his height they know how he would look they know the tone of his voice 
well, yet they could not recognize him as Nightwing. You know, B even mentioned he looks different in the suit. She said it really highlights his glutes in mm. a way that his other suits haven't. Yes, but I feel like that was also <laughs> what we call in the biz fan service. I felt very fan served. Had reference to what everybody knows is one of the highlights of Dick Grayson. Yep. As Muse had described to us last episode. You're welcome. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, so he talks to the Nightwings and basically tells them all that, listen, I'm back. I'm here to stay. This is way too dangerous for you guys. As you guys know, a lot of you almost died, so I'm telling you to stand down. The one guy, the fireman, that is actually the one that recruited Rick into the Nightwings, he basically says, like, listen, I feel like I'm doing more good as Nightwing than I was just as a fireman. I want to keep doing this. I want to keep helping our city. And you know that we need that. Dick's like, I hear you. So how about you stand down? And if I need help, then you guys can come on. And everyone's like, all right, yeah, I can agree with that. I feel that they dropped the whole Nightwings thing way too quickly with this group. Like, this was Jurgen's way of just being like, all right, and sideline. Like, okay, I can understand the detectives being more like, okay, let's put it down. We almost all died. And Dick did promise, like, hey, I'm going to work with you guys. Because they're detectives, so he's still going to have a relationship with them. Like, uh, Batman has a relationship with the GCPD, where I now have an in. I have friends within the police department. You can rely on me, I can rely on you, but the firemen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I also wonder if it's, like, Juergens is is going to sideline them because now the main focus is going to be back on Dick Grayson as Nightwing for the rest of the series. And I also know that um, Jurgens isn't going to be on this for much longer. I was pretty sure that 75 was going to be his last issue, but I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, so they definitely did just quickly end that. I wasn't really a fan of that. Overall, again, like I said in the beginning, I feel like they could have done this a lot better. The premise was really good. There was definitely a lot that they could have done. I feel like it could have been flushed out a little bit more. Maybe in two issues. Because I feel like just breaking it down, like, oh, here's what happened this day, here's what happened this day, here's what happened this day. I feel like you could have focused more on the relationships for Nightwing instead of just randomly cutting the KG Beast. Yeah. I feel like you could have just had KG Beast show up at the end and then in the next issue show how he got to Gotham. Or Bloodhaven. Oh, yeah. Uh, The sort of ominously looking down from a building. Yeah. I feel like you could have just saved it for a cliffhanger at the very end. Just show up. That's what my comic did this week. (laughs) It did. Yeah, so to wrap it up, I would give Nightwing like a 6 out of 10. Well, you wonderfully segued us. Let's go over Catwoman. Yeah. The new queen of Alleytown. (laughs) Freaking hate Alleytown, first of all. <laughs> also, have we noticed that Ram V has started calling himself V? I did not. No, like, he freaking stole my name, and, and now he needs to die. There can only be one V. <laughs> or maybe we're related. Deep Metalore. <sighs> okay, sorry. Rough start. Uh, Catwoman 26. If you read the Joker War just from Batman's um, perspective, you might have just glossed over the fact that Catwoman ripped off everyone. So here's what she did. At first I was like, woo, Catwoman. She pulled a hush moment. She stole from the bad guys and gave to the poor. 
But what she did was she stole all of Bruce Wayne's money and gave all of Bruce's money to Lucius Fox. And then she took the rest of the money and she distributed it to poor people. Just the lowest income bracket in Gotham. She's like, ah, the crooks probably stole it from them anyways. Now they get it back. And it's like, Catwoman! (laughs) Penguin just freaking saved your life. And he and the Riddler were so friendly with you, they were ready to go have fun buddy hijinks (laughs) thing so you could all get filthy rich. And you reward them by flat out robbing them to their face. She doesn't even rob them to their face. Like, she goes on this heist with them in Catwoman 25 and she straight up mocks them as she's stealing their money. And then Penguin shoots her and then all of a sudden... A cop from California shows up in that alleyway in a car, just yeah. get in, and it's she's like, "What are you doing here?" Because she didn't even know he was in Gotham when she made this stupid plan, <laughs> and he's just like, "Oh, I followed you because you were the one that got away," <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, that's cool." And then like while his back is turned, she gets away again. He's like, "Ah, typical <laughs> Catwoman. I hate her so much. I'll be there to save her again next time." Um. Made no sense. That was super strange. So already you're yeah. kind of getting this taste of like, oh no. Already Catwoman sounds like she's kind of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. She sounds real stupid. Mm-hmm. And like, it's this isn't Hush at all. Because remember when she ripped off Hush? She straight up split the money with her co-conspirators because Honor Among Thieves, she gives exactly. Ivy and Harley their cut. And... When they run out of money, she sets them up again so they'll stay out of crime. She's really nice. But now we kind of see a different version, all right? I should also mention there were, like, some short stories at the end of the last one where she, like, sets up shop in Alleytown. She finds the artful Dodger and Oliver and all that. And she becomes basically Fagin or Sykes or whoever you want to be. Right, because she used to live in Alleytown as a kid. She was a little thief um, underneath Madame Fortuna, and she wants to become the new Madame and run an entire gang of children. Okay, that's where we get into this. So, <laughs> sorry. I was a little annoyed, but I was like, okay, okay, good. She's going to save the kids. That's kind of her thing. You know, she's going mm-hmm. back to her roots. Um, no. <laughs> so... This is a different Catwoman, all right? You get, this isn't your mom's Catwoman. So <laughs> we start off the story with Penguin because, of course, we know Penguin is extremely vengeful. What she did was really irresponsible and stupid. She could have bought some goodwill. Batman can't protect her. He's broke. She should have <laughs> definitely thought this through. She's on the run. She's hiding out in Alleytown. Penguin doesn't know where she is. He just wants her. So he hires this guy who looks like an old-timey undertaker, Father Valley. He walks yeah. around with a briefcase full of Bibles. It was so weird. Yeah. When I first heard the name, I was like, there is no way this is Jean-Paul Valley because Azrael is still in space with Justice League Odyssey, so I don't know who the heck this guy is. And he has like a similar design to Anarchy because of the giant hat. Yeah, he... He does. He, he. I thought it was getting to anarchy vibe, but I was really confused because the hair was wrong and there was no mm. mask. And he's got them Wolverine sideburns. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this guy, he's already, like he's a striking silhouette. I'm already bored. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's why actually when I stopped reading this, I was like, mm, I don't like this dude. This is worse than creepy face lady over in California. I'm done. <laughs> Maybe he'll be a one-off. This is really giving me vibes of like, back in the day they had like this one Catwoman thing where she was setting up shop in her new digs and she of course has an assassin hunting her down. It was Deadshot. And he was drawn really ugly. And so, anyways, she's meeting up with her buddy Leandro. Leandro's going to help her sort of get this city under her thumb. So she's sort of got this gang of kids who are taking care of her sister. She sets her sister up in this, uh, not quite skyscraper, but more like a penthouse. Mm -hmm. The top floor is like mostly windows. So already I'm like, wow, you're a bad person. Like, why don't you just draw targets on the window? Why would you do that? You know people are coming out after <laughs> you. You know there's going to be snipers. Oh, she's the worst. Okay, so she, she's running around. She's causing havoc. She's like, Leandro, what's, what's the city like? What's the gang like here? And he's like, okay, here's the deal. There's this guy called... I'm going to call him Madigan. That's not his name. Madigan or whatever his name is. He's like a meth head. He's like, look, this guy deals meth. He's basically Walter White. You're going to have to take him out if you want to control the streets. Guy number two, Pitt, I guess. Or was it a woman? It's a woman. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. All I know is the other one does guns. Yeah, that's her. Okay. All right, so we got two warlords. We got meth guy. We got gun lady. So he's like, you're going to have to take them both out if you want to control this town. And she's like, I would. I would like to be the queen of Alleytown, and I would like these kids to not be on drugs. Not for their sake, but kind of for mine, because I don't want them to be sloppy. And you're like, well, you're terrible, but okay. You're so compassionate, Catwoman. She's really, like, smarmy throughout. She's kind of like, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. I'm the coolest thing in town, and I need to restore my image. Like, I get it from some perspective, because she just pissed off the entire rogues gallery. She's going to need a good stronghold. But these are kids. She's not recruiting any adults. She's just got kids. Yeah, it's just a gang of teens. I also didn't like how she ended that conversation with Leandro, where he's like, you can't just rob from them and expect to own everything. She's like, oh, I'm not going to rob from them. I'm going to steal everything. Like, that's, uh... that's the same word that <laughs> <laughs> uh, would have been great if Leandro ended on that just staring it's... at her like it's the same you dumb weirdo stop <laughs> drinking you have a problem so she's real smarmy about it she's gonna take out these gang lords so speaking of gangs her kids in the last episode one of them pulled a gun on her she disarmed him she took the gun away she said you know goons carry guns are you a goon or are you a grifter? Grifters are cool. They talk their way out of things, but goons use guns. And so the kid's like, okay, you can hold on to my gun. I don't want to be a goon. I want to be a grifter. So she's disarmed all these children that she's going to send into war against an arms dealer. <laughs> Just saying. This is the setup, guys. All right. So Mr. Hotshot Detective is still, like, walking around he finds out that one of the cars in this one place that got hit up has scratches in it that look like Catwoman's claws. Mm -hmm. He finds out that she's being trailed by Undertaker Man. And meanwhile, we get to see what happened because Catwoman goes and meets with Pitt, who runs a strip club. Because of course she does. 
can't be a woman in crime unless you are also a madame. <laughs> madam. So yeah, she's talking about her girls. And Catwoman basically tells her, you know, I'd like you to run your guns through me. She's like, nah, it's that other guy that I work with. And she's like, oh, I'm going to take him out just so that this lady will warn him and cause some sort of like 40 chess game to start. Mm-hmm. It gets real silly. Basically, as far as I can tell, she only has three kids working for her because they reuse those same three kids in every shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is my gang! Alley <laughs> uh, Town's really gotten weird. <sighs> Long story short, because this really is kind of a build-up episode. They're sort of setting things up. It's not. There's not a lot happening, and not a lot of it makes sense. So Catwoman has like a nice little conversation with her sister who can talk sort of haltingly and they hug and they talk it out also i think they're watching mad max on the screen (laughs) but they do sit really close to a window where the undertaker is just sitting there like he could snipe them and that's how we end it it's sort of like ominous but he looks like a beetle that got like trapped in a coffin for five years you know (laughs) he's got the the silly circle glasses he looks unkempt I know I'm insulting this guy's appearance. He's got like 12 belts on his boots. It's to hold all of his same copies of the Bible. <laughs> God, this man and his Bible. Has he not heard about the Gideons? Like, <laughs> you don't have to buy. He's like, I have to, I sell God's work or something like that. I'm a salesman for God. Each of his dialogue is a, is a Bible verse. People give those out for free, man. Yeah. That's a terrible business model. No one's going to buy your Bibles. (laughs) It was setting something up. I'm just like, I'm not into it because Catwoman sounds real stupid. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Like, she should not have ripped off Penguin and the Riddler. I will say that her escaping the building looked really good. I love the flashbacks from in 25 with the, or not the flashbacks, but the panels of her and the tiger dancing. I thought those were really, really gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I really liked how they tied mm-hmm, that with in. With the metaphor. But, Muse, you were reading Ram V in Justice League Dark. Is like, how is he so far in that? Um, well, he's still kind of going off, I feel, a little bit of what Tinian did set up before. Mm-hmm. Listening to V talk about Catwoman and her stupid mistakes, it's reminding me is how fucking stupid Zatanna was. Like, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna open up. I love Zatanna. Wow. And she's usually one of those think first, act later people. Like, she understands the consequences of dabbling with magic and the cost that magic has. And the imbalance of magic is still being impacted since No Justice. Like, they're still dealing with right. some of the, yeah. the reverberations of that. But Zatanna's being a dumb because she's going to try and go rescue her father on her own and go against the Upside Down Man because he's kind of stuck in this perpetual, like, burning in whatever world the Upside Down Man has. Well, but canonically, at least from what I've read of Zatanna before, she is kind of a... She's not overly gifted in the brains department. Yeah, but I've noticed even in this, they have made her more cautious because of everything that has happened with her. She typically is one of those people that's like, screw the rules, I'm going to go do the thing anyways, because I have understanding of magic. But she just leaps in, no consequences whatsoever. And she is thinking like, oh, I'm going to rely on my team. And of course, the the entire um, Justice League Dark team backs her up. So overall, don't be too excited for Ram V's run on Catwoman, is what you're saying. 
Yeah, I think it's maybe a thing of his. I don't know if it's like how he writes his female characters or it's just that's how he perceives. I don't really know. Like, I, I don't want to be like he's being a sexist. I'm, I'm not sure turd, either because but... when we were talking about Catwoman 25, you know, we, we said like out of the three stories, like the first one was good. The, the, the last two after that were like pretty shitty. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even read those last two little extra stories for... 25 they were all written by him, and I couldn't believe that because each of them sounded like a completely different person. The last one was it. told through a POV of a cat. Yeah. And the cat sounded nothing like a cat. Like, it sounded like someone who's never seen a cat in real life, but only seen, like, GIFs and maybe, like, some angry Reddit posts about cats. It wasn't even from, like, a dog person. It was probably from, like, a hamster fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like this cat. It's like, how dare she? And then the cat tries to rob her. And I was like, is this, like, a person in a cat spot? No, it's just a cat. The cat tried to rob her because cats apparently like shiny things, ex- especially diamonds. They like to wear them around. And the cat's, like, oh plotting God. her demise. Like, the stereotypical, you know, like, that cat wants to kill me. And it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, she's so clever. Oh, she opened the window. She tried, she underestimated. It's like, cats don't think like that. You're being weird. No. Not even Deck Star is written like that. Oh, gosh, yeah. Panel. And it says she dresses so garishly, almost like a, no, I dare not say it. Like, like a cat? Are you gonna, are you oh. saying that cats dress garishly? What is wrong with you? Just so strange. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like it's gonna be good. His writing's a little inconsistent. I've yeah, noticed. But even like from his little preview story in the Catwoman 80th, like I wasn't hooked on him. Mm-hmm. We did say he was like one of the better stories out of that whole compilation. Mm-hmm. But and that's sad. That's saying something. Well, can we like start a petition to get Blake Northcott back here because I liked her story. But yeah, I mean, like if I had to rate Catwoman, it's uh, oof. <laughs> yeah, it's an oof a... out of ah it's like three out of ten <laughs> you say three three out of, three ten. Out of ten yeah oof yeah, yeah. that's an oof, yeah, that's that's an oof. Said, an oof. <laughs> that is an oof oh. i'm just not into the child soldier thing either like at least the last time she had a gang war she had a bunch of italians full grown by the way yeah <laughs> now it's like this is my gang of children nothing bad's gonna happen to them they're not gonna be brutally murdered you know what? Batman has his Robins. Now Catwoman has whatever they are because they don't want to be goons. Or strays. She barely spends <laughs> any time with them. She's not mentoring these children. No. They're like skateboarding around her apartment, robbing places with her. Her latchkey litter. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, they're all going to die. Like so, to tie this all in, we're going to end it with a good old Batman. And it's our boy, Gillum March. <laughs> uh, so, of course, uh, this is Batman 101. Uh, Tinian's still writing, and Gillum March came back. We start out with a bat monologue, very indicative of Tinian. I think it was a really good monologue. I felt that it fits with what Tinian does, and it did get us into the mindset of what he's trying to focus on now after Joker War. And there was a consistent steadiness to this monologue because the art did help. It continued to move. There was different things going on in the background. I felt kind of drawn into it. I will say there were two panels during that monologue where Bruce is talking to Selena that it is typical Gillian March fashion. There is one with the arched back 
and it's just all Catwoman butt. And then there's another one where she is upside down, kind of like how a pole dancer might be. Well, that's later, but still, like, this is that first monologue. This is mm. him kind of setting it up, and I'm a sucker for anything Tim Drake, and it's clearly Timmy. Um, <laughs> the spread of Batman and Robin going across yeah. Gotham, and you see, like, more of a 90s Batman. He's more the gray-blue mm-hmm. outfit. Mm-hmm. I did love that bat symbol that they had on. Mm-hmm. I want to say is my favorite one because that's the one I know the the most, like mm-hmm. season season one animated series. Yep, and he looked happy because Bruce is at this point kind of reminiscing about kind of like the good old days, kind of more like the easy times, like where he go into Gotham and just do his thing. Kind of like him going on autopilot, like he knew the city so well. Just him reflecting on how everything has changed. It was nice because you did get, like I said, you got into his mindset. And I feel Tinian does a really good job of trying to, with his monologues, get you into those mindset with characters. I like it, but that's because I love reading novels and I love (laughs) introspective character (laughs) moments. But even I feel that this was worry because later on, after he's talking to Selena, we flash back to him trying to go see Lucius and has this fight with Grifter, who's apparently now a Lucius's bodyguard. So I'm guessing this is how they're bringing Grifter back into things. We hadn't seen hide nor hair of this guy, and surprise, here he is. The, the fight with Grifter, I felt that the art was actually pretty smooth and really cinematic. No ridiculous crotch shots or whatever that Gilliam March is usually notorious for. So we have poor Lucius, doesn't look good. He's walking with a cane. He looks like he's aged a decade. Like whatever punchline did to him has really affected him physically. And he has this overly wordy, overly complicated conversation with Bruce that I horribly zoned out out. And all I got out of the conversation was because now, as we mentioned, when Selena stole the money from the underbroker, she gave it to Lucius. So now mm. Lucius has all of the money. Wayne Enterprise wants to pretty much remove Bruce Wayne from his position as the main shareholder and person in charge. Pretty much buy him out. And now that Lucius has the money, Batman is now pretty much on a tight leash because he can't just be going about trying to fund this guy. Yeah. So I guess this is Tinian's way of trying to get Batman back to more of what makes Batman, yeah. which Nerf I actually him. like. Do it. I like that a lot because that's it's fresh start. It's fresh start. It's getting him stepping away from all those stupid freaking crazy gadgets <laughs> that has pretty much been doing the job for him. Like we haven't had Batman the detective in a long time. Mm-hmm. We've been mostly just Batman, Mr. Gadgets stopping crime, doing the thing. But he's not starting anew like we thought. He still has, like, the backing from Lucius. It's just Lucius is like, you're going to have an allowance, dude. You break a Batmobile, you have to fix it. I can't just come in and buy a new one. I can't do that. It also kind of looks like, so the multiple governments are watching that money, Mm -hmm. which, like, how... I guess because of all the different partnerships Wayne Enterprises has around the world. Because, like, Selena took that money from the underbroker, which means it was dark. It was dark money, and then she gave it to Lucius. But how would everybody have their eyes on that money? He's like, if we take any of that money out, people are going to see. And it's like, how? 
It's one of those confusing, complicated things. Honestly, if yeah. if it weren't for the plot contrivance that Tinian is trying to push, it would be okay. He has some offshore accounts because he works with Batman, so right. those shouldn't be tracked because he's just Lucius Fox. In which case, those get money. Who's gonna see it? Mm-hmm. The bankers for whatever corrupt institution is running that. You know, it's like it's not like the world is gonna be like, "There's Bruce's money. It's over there now." It also could be the fact that if Batman keeps getting all these fancy gadgets, then people are going to start questioning who's funding him now. Oh, and that was something that the Joker brought up in Joker War when he stole Wayne Enterprise's money because he was trying to exploit Bruce Wayne and, and Batman. It's also kind of similar in uh, Sean Gordon Murphy's White Knight where it got exposed that all of these um different fundings and everything that wayne enterprises was putting out it was actually going towards like this military grade stuff which actually turns out to be bad equipment which is fine people always kind of knew that he was funny batman there was a time too where didn't they say that they were partners with batman Mm -hmm. i thought it was definitely pre-boot they could have just retconned it but yeah i thought that they said that wayne enterprises had a relationship with batman I think this is a slightly more complicated way to go about it than like how it would how it would go naturally is if this were to follow real world rules, I think it would be a little bit easier for Batman to get his money back. He probably wouldn't be able to parade it around as Bruce Wayne anymore, mm-hmm. no. but he could get his money back hypothetically. It sounds yeah. like though from this, they're going to try to keep it really close to the chest and make sure that it's being laundered through Lucius Fox but not for any special gadgets. Right. So they are nerfing him technologically. Mm-hmm. And he's not saying he won't be Batman anymore. He's just saying he's going to be a leaner Batman. Yeah. Yep. Which is what we all want. Yeah, yes. he's not going to be as heavily armed. We don't want Iron Man. We want Mr. Detective Comics himself. Yeah, exactly. So despite the weird roundabout way that Tinian went and wrote it, I'm very happy that we're getting kind of change um Mm -hmm. with him um he's still batman there's no changing that he finally comes to this agreement with lucius and leaves encounters of course grifter and says something sly under his breath i can't remember exactly what it is but pretty much saying like tell your boss something 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 he's like well why don't you tell him yourself you just saw him and he's like oh no not that one so i'm guessing grifter might be working for that uh, mysterious figure oh, right, guy. The Halo we... Project or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the Halo Project, which might connect with the guy that we saw at the end of issue 100. Because why else the heck would Grifter be here? And we hinted at White Cyber Ninja Dude over there. <laughs> issue 100. Ghostmaker. Ghostmaker, yeah. And they did say that Ghostmaker would make a return, I think, in issue 102. So whatever Grifter is also partially involved in, besides being Lucius Fox's bodyguard, has to do with that group. Like, why else would they bring Grifter in? Also... Can we talk about how his three kids are there? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, to bring in, like, Luke Fox is making the return. What's he going to do? He's going to be like, kids, I have money now. <laughs> I've put you all in the will. <laughs> He's going to start gearing up Luke. He's like, listen, we couldn't get as much equipment to make you the new Batman. <laughs> now I have the money. You're going to be Batman. But no, the the thing is, I th- if I recall, at the end of I think it was yeah, it was one of the little stories with um, Batman Hunter and Lucius get something like somebody goes to attack their family home, which is why they're now in this penthouse. Luke goes like rushing off, 
and disappears when all this shit's happening and comes back as Batwing. And Lucius is pissed. And I'm like, does he not know his son is Batwing? Like, <laughs> does he not know? What? Apparently not, because later on, Luke comes back and he's like, oh, thank God you're here. Like, I was so worried. And oh, my gosh. I, I think that's how he just wanted to have nothing to do with bat stuff or he was just upset that his son i think he's just also might have been upset that his son just brought out the bat wing outfit and was like we're having none of this in my house like you are not fighting crime sir i can't remember his reaction but either way he was not very happy with bat wing they like threw him to the side when they got signal but i like luke better <laughs> he's nice <laughs> Signal's just still kind of naive about Signal's all of this. like so. a dumb weirdo, and you have to remember, we were so oversaturated with him in Outsiders, and he was, like, hitting on Orphan's mom within e- hearing distance. Well, he needs oh, to calm God, down. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> See, he needs a father figure to put the, the fear of God in him. Luke grew up with that, so, like, yep. he knows how to behave. <laughs> Even in the Batgirl series, the Cameron Stewart run, everything about him, at least from what I've read, he's very heroic naturally. And I think Mm -hmm. that might be too boring for people. They're like, we want like a stray, like lost person. But I think it really works to like balance out a lot of the other Bat fam. I think so. Luke's like, and a nobly like bust in. (laughs) Listen, I just need like, we need a solo series with Luke so we can establish some of his more unique crime fighting Mm -hmm. methods because... He just hasn't had enough screen time to actually be his own oh. person. Yeah, I haven't read anything of him, honestly, except for, like, that one mini-story where um, Joker goons attack Lucius's house. That was it. That was the one I was talking about. Mm-hmm. That and uh, the animated movie, The yep. Bad Blood, which was definitely not a rip-off of Taylor Swift's song. No. <laughs> he was good in that film, though. I did like him in mm. that. <sighs> so, he leaves, and... We flash forward back to Bruce talking to Selena on the roof. They kind of come to this consensus that there's too much going on with both of their lives and they have to get their shit together. But it's not like this unopened, like, we'll see where this goes. They put a date on it. Selena was like, one year. I'm going to give you one year to get your shit together and then we need to make a decision. I was like, thank you! And it was kind of a nice, Tinian was like, you know what, I'm leaving this open-ended for another writer to clean up. I'm not going to, like, put a lid on it. But, it, <laughs> you know, because you're, you're used to them, like, breaking up. Like, well, you can't be Batman with me around. But this time, like, it makes sense. Because she's like, oh, yeah, you can't be around me. He's like, yeah, I don't really have a lot of money to, like, protect <laughs> you. And, mm-hmm. and she's like, well, yeah, I am the most wanted person in the city. And we're all like, whose fault is that, Selena? (laughs) (laughs) You did this to yourself. But that's why she's trying to rule the criminal underground with her gang of kids. So that way she can take care of Batman. It's like, oh, no, I don't need you to take care of me. Let me take care of you. Oh, this is why Sirens needs to come back is because she's going to team up with the only two women who don't know how to maintain a bank account. So, like, (laughs) she clearly has not ripped those two off. Yeah, the conversation is also really sweet. Like we mentioned before, Selena also mentioning, you wouldn't give this up for me and go, like, live a quiet life. He's like, no. But at the same time, I'm thinking, would Selena ever give up being Catwoman? 
I mean, she tried when she was in California, and she can't. So it, it was a sweet sentiment of her trying to give him the option of, let's just get this all behind us, but you can't in too deep at this point being Batman and being Catwoman. Besides, they already kind of did that during Tom Keen's run. They ran yeah. off and had, like, their little honeymoon, and then Alfred died, so, like, yeah. don't do that again. <laughs> nope. Yeah, so Batman is now without Catwoman. He's going to be living in a brownstone in Gotham, which is kind of interesting. He's getting closer to the action, getting away from the manor. He's going to get mugged. (laughs) (laughs) What if he starts bunking with Clown Hunter? Dude, no. He cannot (laughs) stop catching kids. Everyone needs to leave the kids alone, okay? So we, of course, get a final page with Batman and Catwoman embracing each other, and we get the full-on Gilliam March, mm-hmm. Catwoman yeah. curves. There's that lip service. It's it's not a good-looking kiss. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It was really weird. It's... Like, no one kisses like that. I mean, you could even have some space between their lips if you don't really know how kisses work, and then it, you get that tension, but it's whatever. So, before we close this out, I want to say, okay, let's tally it up. We're going to do the Gillen March shame counter. Yes to the stripper pole. There is an upshot of Batman and Catwoman as they, like, come down. We do see a shiny butt taking up a panel. Like, so much gloss. It's the glossiest yeah. butt I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> we do see her boobs out. Mm-hmm. And we also get a crotch shot. Two of them, really, but, like, one of them's just the crotch. Well, and her legs, for no reason. Because he does that thing, remember, where he draws, like, the speech bubble to the crotch? So her crotch is talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Her crotch said, but I had to say my piece just like you had to say yours. (laughs) Then we also get the upshot of her where we can see more of her crotch. Because you can't really see a person's crotch straight on quite like you can when you look up at them. (laughs) So Gillen March coming through in a big way. His art didn't upset me in the beginning. Like, there was a couple of scenes with Selena and Bruce, and Selena seemed fine. Like, there was some Gillian Marchness, but as soon as the flashback ends, it's just like, nope. You can see which panels he drew late at night. <laughs> <laughs> he has Barry Manilow playing in the background. <laughs> All I can hear is a careless whisper now. George Michaels. <laughs> some, some of his stuff, it's just... He's he's a wacky person. Like he's he doesn't take the boring route, okay? That has to be said for him. He does find an innovative way to show like different things. And his shot of Gotham City, Chef's Kiss, that opening yeah. splash yeah. page, holy cow. And even his fight scenes, like he doesn't skimp. Mm-hmm. This isn't a guy who like phones it in with backgrounds or poses. His expressions are garbage all the time. <laughs> Always there's something wrong. I hate how he draws Catwoman. I've always hated how he draws, like, every individual eyelash. I hate, like, how he draws the... What's that called? Cupid's bow on her lip? Sure. I hate when anybody does that. I also hate how he, like, can't draw faces at certain angles. But, A, he's getting better. You can see it. His art is getting better. And B, he's never boring. So, like, I'm more likely to enjoy some of his art than most people. (laughs) Because a lot of them phone it in. However... Those crotch shots just fill me with, like... And also, (laughs) two more pet peeves, and then I'm done, okay? He never can draw Catwoman's ears facing the same direction. They always seem to be doing something random. (laughs) Two, 
Her rib cage is always going up into her boobs. I've complained about this before. He needs to look at a naked woman. You'd think he does, but I don't think he's, like, looking at the rib cage. I think he's focusing on certain parts. He's getting really good at drawing those parts. You just need to look at a woman at the beach. Don't focus so much on her crotch. Look above the crotch at the ribs. <laughs> Anyways, I don't like that, and I really hate her suit, and I... I want them to get rid of the weird armpit holes. It makes no sense to me. I'm really hoping Ram V at least gets Catwoman a new outfit. But hopefully, fingers crossed. The phase two outfit. (laughs) (laughs) She might get that weird little butt pocket for her her tail. (laughs) Oh, the future state. (laughs) Her little Tron outfit. Oh, gosh. Her magnetic cat suit. Always be careful what you wish for with DC. (laughs) (laughs) Well... To wrap up Batman 101, I gave it a rating of about a 6 out of 10. There was definitely a lot that I felt was good, but it was mostly very mediocre. Yeah, it felt very quick. Quick and long at the same time. Like, there was just so much early on, and then nothing at the end. It was just all words and not really, like, in terms of other substance. It was really Lucius uh, conversation that just really bogged it down and it was of course right in the middle of the story too so like you have this pretty good beginning like you get his monologue you get the action movement and then you get that sluggish bit and then it's still sort of slow the rest of it is just batman and catwoman having a dtr that's basically this entire issue is how does batman let catwoman down easily she's become a liability he needs to do things on his own batman needs to work alone (laughs) <laughs> and Catwoman needs to find a new writer because she is my favorite character in the mm-hmm. whole world and she's not being done properly and it hurts me in my heart. So, yeah, I don't know. It it seemed like they were trying to s- spend the appropriate amount of time like setting up, but it felt like a lot of yes. the way like a lot of the words they used were just kind of filler. Yep. And that's why I didn't rate it too high and I didn't rate it ridiculously low because mm-hmm. I knew it was their transition from Joker War. It wasn't as like, wow, bam, impactful like a lot of these other stories. Like Nightwing, I think, was a little more impactful. Mm-hmm. But it was also a lot of flashbacks for the most part. It was, but it was okay. It definitely, in my opinion, it, spent, it focused too long on the Lucius and Bruce uh, dialogue. To me, it just felt like that was the entirety of the comic. It's literally just like, oh, I miss the old days. Things are different now because, you know, life. And then it's, I can't fund you anymore. You're going to be on your own for a while, but I'll get you a house in the city if you want. And then it's, we can't be together, but I still love you. (laughs) Insane. Yeah. So that was it. Um, So these were not the only comics we had out this week. Would you like to cover the other DC comics that we had? Oh, yeah. There were like a few. So, we got Aquaman 64, we got Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn. Did you read that? I did not, but isn't that the one where she has twins? Well, she had that at the end of the last Sean Gordon Murphy series for White Knight, Curse of the White Knight, I believe it was called. But this one, it started off not that good, in my opinion. As it progressed, it got a lot better. I'm I'm looking forward to the next part. I think it's going to be three issues, three or five cool Mm. yeah i'm looking forward to it i mean i'm a little harley quinned out there's so much harley quinn everywhere all the time but i like this version 
that's interesting. Um, we got Dark Knight's Death Metal, Robin Keen, number one. <laughs> oh, God. I did not read that, and that's Scott Snyder's favorite of the different Batman that he introduced in Death Metal. Uh... What are you doing? <laughs> this is a midlife crisis. Just buy a car. <laughs> All right, Justice League 55, Metalman 11, and Scooby-Doo, where are you? 106, can't forget him. And of course, our beloved Teen Titans 46. Where John Kent apparently made an appearance. Yeah. In the search for Damian Wayne. <laughs> um, wouldn't it be great if they could get back together and they're like the making of each other again? It'll be different, but it could still be a little cute. <laughs> so DC's list was short, but Marvel had a lot. Joe, would you like to cover the Marvel sure. stuff? So for Marvel this week, we had Arrow number 12. Amazing Spider-Man 50 Last Remains, uh, because Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man issue 50 was just so big that they had so much more they wanted to put into it, so instead of making it like an 80-page giant or whatever, they made a completely oh separate issue. So it was called 50LR, but it stands for like Last Remains. Then you had Conan the Barbarian number 15, Daredevil 23, Excalibur 13, Falcon and Winter Soldier number 4, Fantastic Four 25. Guardians of the Galaxy number seven, Iron Man two, Juggernaut two, Maestro number three, Marvel's X number six, Spider Woman number five, Star Wars Bounty Hunters number six, Venom twenty nine, a number one called Werewolf by Night, which was written by Taboo of the Black Eyed Peas <laughs> and Benjamin Jackendoff. The art was done by Scott Eaton. What? It. I wanted to read it just what? because of the fact that Taboo from Black Eyed Peas helped write a comic. <laughs> and then, last one for Marvel this week was X-Men number 13. Nice. I am a really bad Marvel fan, and I just haven't read anything, because X of Swords has just confused me. <laughs> and I thought it was Hickman doing it. And then I got reminded from a friend the other day. She was like, oh yeah, no, Teeny Howard's doing it. Like, she's not, like, a bad writer. It's just this poor girl, I swear, gets ahead of herself. Like, she's one of those fan fiction writers no. that just no. wants to get to the point. Like, she's so excited for making this content that she gets to put some major details in. So. Oof. Well, shouldn't that also <sighs> be on the editor to kind of corral her if she's missing information? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't know if the editor would know. what. And this is also a huge X-Men event. That's not just with Excalibur, but it's across every X-Men title. Right, so, like, you have no choice but to read the event. You say Teeny Howard's a good writer all the time. You know that, right? You're like, she's good, but yeah. uh, you're not going to like this one. <laughs> yeah, I like Death's Head because it was just easily contained. It was only six issues, I think. I think she's better on, like, here's your time frame. You have six issues. Get it done compared to Strike Force, that was just, it felt like a really weird mod podge of different heroes that made no sense being together. Excalibur started out pretty good, and then it just got weird. But then I tried to, I got back into it, because everyone was like, it got better. So I got back into it, it got better, and then one really weird issue that made no sense whatsoever, and I'm still confused. So I think she's probably one of the most inconsistent writers at this point. The thing. Within a run, not like, oh, one run's really good and this one's bad. 
she seems to be failing upward. Yeah. So good for her. <laughs> Bad for us, but... <laughs> um, so let's stop hating on poor writers sometimes, except some of them deserve it. And move on to the comics that are going to be coming out next week. Joe, would you like to go over DC's sure. action? So Very long list. <laughs> we got Action Comics 1026. Two more mm. after that, then this will be off the run. The oh, last issue of Batgirl number 50. You have Batman Beyond 48, Batman Superman number 13. The last issue of Black Label Batman 3 Jokers from Jeff Johns and Jason Fabic. Dark Knight's Death Metal Rise of the New Gods number one, written by Brian Edward Hill and Jesus Marino is doing the art. You have the second part of Tomasi's story arc for Detective Comics 1029, Flash 764, Sandman Universe, John Constantine Hellblazer number 11, Justice League Dark 27, Black Label The Last God, Song of Lost Children number one, written by Dan Waters and Steve Beach. So I'm confused with that one because I heard Last God was actually doing really poorly for the DC Black Label run. It was one of the first issues that's started with the black label run once they moved away from vertigo it was supposed to be dc's attempt at a dnd story and i heard it didn't do good but somehow it's getting this sequel and this sequel is actually supposed to come out in september like a month ago uh september 22nd i believe it was supposed to be uh that clearly didn't happen nope. anyway so you have legion of superheroes number 10 i believe that's a 12 issue series i'm not 100 sure okay so another two issues on that one as well last issue of rob liefeld's red hood outlaw number 50 you have suicide squad number 10 and then wonder woman 765 where we get to see more of this weird buddy cop of diana and maxwell lord so would you like to go over marvel's comic Sure thing. Next week for Marvel, we're going to get our amazing Spider-Man, number 51. We're going to get the Black Widow, Widow's Sting, number one, by Ralph Macchio and Simone Bonafantino. Bonafantino? So weird, because we just got the Black Widow miniseries, like, a couple weeks ago. It's already at issue two. You know number ones do well. <laughs> just have, I like, know. five million number ones for Black Widow. But this one sounds fun. Any yeah. Black Widow starting point sounds fun. I'll, I'll pick it up. Honestly, at this point, it's the art that makes or breaks it for me. Because, like, I'll pick up any Black Widow thing. I think she's fun. But the art has to be good. I'm not reading a lot of Marvels. Like, as you know, I'm mainly DC. But, like, I'll keep attempting to pick up a Marvel title. I'm like, oh, maybe this one would be good. Like, Spider-Man to War or Spider-Woman. Or Thor's, like, kind of getting okay now. And Amazing Spider-Man was pretty okay also, but for the most part, it's like, I pick one up, and I'm never picking it up again after the first issue or whatever that I read. Except I think you're still reading uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes, I'm not up to date with that one. That one is good, yeah. The miniseries Marvel does a pretty good job with from what I've read so far. I'm interested in picking it up. I've been wanting to read more of the Marvel comics, and I found, like, time because I've been going to bed earlier and I'm like, I gotta read something before I go to sleep. Then I just end up playing Stoke for like three hours so I don't get to bed on time, technically. But I discovered all these books at my library and I discovered that you can find comic books on your library apps. So I highly recommend if you are quarantined or strapped for cash 
or you want to pick up some indies that librarians have discovered that you haven't, definitely check out your local library. If you don't have a library card, you can usually get one online. <laughs> and then you can download the apps to your phone or iPad or computer and then just straight up borrow e-comics. This is just like the modern day PBS kid library card commercial. It's the nicest yeah. thing you've ever said to me. the app for your local library. It's so easy. Oh, I love it. I love it. I've been listening to audiobooks. I've been picking up comics. I've been picking up books that I'm probably not going to read. Like, it's great. Oh, also I've been watching movies. They have documentaries. There are like six different library apps on my phone. Anyways. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's, it's wonderful definitely think about it because also i think it like goes into an algorithm and tells the libraries you know this book's doing well and then you know they might keep buying in the future mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm doing marvel sorry uh dr doom number eight fantastic four antithesis number three the immortal hulk 39 savage avengers number 13 shang chi number two spider-man noir number five star wars dr afra Number five, Strange Academy, number four, and X of Swords, Stasis, number one. What? Seems like they're following the death metal trend where it's like they're going to have like a one shot every every now yeah. and then. Yeah, they had one kind of kicking it off. They have one in the middle and then they have one at the end based off of the, the checklist. In theory, I like it if they're giving it to like new hungry artists so that they can have like one shots to just cut their teeth on, but like... In practice, it kind of bloats everything. Yeah. Especially since it's already kind of bloated as it is, because it's like, oh, you need to read all the X-Men titles to understand this event going on. And even then, good luck, apparently, because Teeny Howard's anchoring it. Yeah, and they came out with a handbook for it, oh, which gosh, I and didn't... Oh, not another I, one. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't actually pick it up, because when I went to get my comics... It wasn't there and I just felt you know what I don't feel like buying it because I put back my Marauders and my Excalibur uh, Exoswords Tizens I was just like no I'm not reading any of this I'm positive that that handbook is gonna, it was just as wordy as the Empire one oh, gosh. and I understood Empire because Empire required knowledge from years past like collective knowledge from multiple runs so if you've read anything or kept up with major things empire made sense this doesn't this is all brand new shit <laughs> well, the fact that the guidebooks did very little to help alleviate the stress of their own plot yeah. line it's just bad writing at that point yeah. at that point you have to be yeah. like the whole thing is garbage you have to start over yeah pretty much because i know joe still hasn't i don't think you finished uh house and powers of x yet have you I'm not even going to attempt it. I gave up. I was inspired because I'm like, oh, okay, I want to start reading the X-Men stuff again. And then it just started getting more and more weird. And I hopped off the X-Men train and I'm going to stay off of it. Yeah. So I'm just going to compare because Hickman has this like grand idea. And based off his track record, this guy accomplishes what he sets out to do. And when I read House and Powers of X, it was complicated. There was a lot. There was a lot of confusing and weird things, but as you slowly read it, everything confusing from before started to click. So it was one of those like, oh, okay, this is requiring me to continue to read this as those little bits start to connect in 
and the cogs start to slowly move. Exosword has none of that. Exosword just was like massive amounts of confusion mm. and a really cool light has a really cool idea and I don't feel it's being executed properly. But I will probably read it because if not, I will not understand the rest of X Men. Right. But for right now, as someone who has enjoyed mildly enjoyed most of what I have been reading, so yeah, that is everything for this uh, episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comics you want to, us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcast. With that, take care, guys. Bye. Bye.